grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The text is the Holy Gospel. Please be seated. Well, brothers and sisters, there's so much to preach from this text. I'm going to do my best. It's so deliciously theological, wonderful. So let's check it out. <clears throat> it's Easter evening. <clears throat> the disciples are locked up tight in a room like sardines in a can. I wonder if it's the same room in which Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper three days earlier. Perhaps it is. Nonetheless, the doors are locked tight out of fear. Because remember, Jesus was falsely accused, unjustly convicted, prejudicially and horrifically put to death, cruciformly for blasphemy and treason. And surely the same awaits, the same fate awaits for his disciples. They left everything to follow him, their homes, their livelihood, their safety and security, and now they have nothing. And so they live in fear. And then all of a sudden, boom, Jesus shows up, smack dab in the middle of the room. He doesn't even knock. Bolted doors don't matter to him because he is the eternal son of the father. Very God, a very God. He's the one who created everything, preserves everything, and Good Friday redeemed it all. And now that his achieving, accomplishing, and winning of salvation work on the cross is done, now he sees to it that he delivers that forgiveness to sinners and that this forgiveness will be given to sinners through his church and ministers. More on that in a moment. There's no doubt that when the crucified but freshly risen from the grave Jesus physically plops himself right down in the midst of these disciples, that they are quite unnerved. After all, these are people who sinned against Jesus. They hurt him. They disappointed him. Peter, his denials, remember, the abandonment, etc. And you know how it works in the world, don't you? When you sin against someone, what do you expect? <clears throat> you expect payback. And surely they do as well. Payback from Jesus. Divine retribution. Divine reprisal. Revenge. Oh, now there's going to be a divine reckoning. <gasps> None of that from the Lord. He does the unthinkable. He blesses them. He forgives them with a resurrection absolution of peace be with you. This is incredible. He is at peace with these sinners. He is not at war with them. Peace, shalom. Peace I leave with you, Jesus said earlier in the gospel. My peace, my shalom I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And bingo, these sinners are now forgiven by the Lord Jesus himself. So on that first Easter Sunday, and then one week later, as we heard, Jesus showed his wounds. The nail marks in his hands, the spear mark in his side. That's the source of the forgiveness, the peace. Uh, that's why Isaiah says, by his wounds, we are healed. This is peace from the Prince of Peace, who laid down his life to make peace, to reconcile the world to God. In the wounds of his death, in the nail holes of his hands and his side, his feet, shalom, our peace with God. The same Jesus who was nailed to the cross and pierced by a spear is alive and well. The lamb who was slain lives and he has the wounds to prove it. And Thomas wanted to see those wounds. And you know, who could blame him? I think Thomas gets a bum rap 
when we call him Doubting Thomas. The hymn that we just sang called him Doubting Thomas. Sunday school teachers, don't do that. Mothers, fathers, don't call him Doubting Thomas. Because the New Testament never calls him that. He's called Thomas Didymus, the twin. But he's never called in the Bible Doubting. Never! Hmm. Unbelieving, but not doubting. Thomas Didymus said it flat out, unless I see the nail and spear marks and touch them with my own hands, I will not believe it. That's what he said. In other words, he wants to be sure that it's the right Jesus, the crucified Jesus. <laughs> he wants a Jesus with nail holes in him. And so Jesus shows him. The next Sunday, when Thomas was with them, the Lord shows Thomas his nail-scarred hands and his sliced open side. And he says to Thomas, go ahead, man, put your finger in this nail hole. <laughs> put your hand into this spear hole. <laughs> Don't be unbelieving. Believe. Jesus doesn't call him down. Thomas does believe. He believes and he confesses in what is most the flat-out categorical confession of faith that we have in the entire New Testament. My Lord and my God. Now, what Jesus did for Thomas that Sunday, he does for us every Sunday when we are gathered in his divine name. He speaks to us his shalom, peace. He gives his forgiveness. He shows his wounds. His body! His blood, the fruits of his sacrifice. Yes, brothers and sisters, in the Lord's Supper, you hear that his Good Friday wounds are for you. His own body given as bread to eat, his own blood as wine to drink. And he says to us, as he did to Thomas, don't be unbelieving any longer. Trust me, I died for you to take away all your sins. I rose from the dead for you to show my victory over sin and the grave. I give you my peace, my shalom, a peace that you can find nowhere else in the world. And to give you something concrete and real, as real as my hands, my feet, and my side, I give you my body and my blood as your food and drink. Our Lord's peace and his wounds, those are the first two gifts of the resurrection, but there are more. There's always more with Jesus, you know. And so he says it a second time, peace be with you. Once didn't seem to be enough. He says it twice, which reminds me of the Old Testament. Tell Jerusalem she has received double for her sins. Not just enough, but double. More peace than you can possibly need for yourself alone. Enough peace to pass on to other sinners. And so the second time Jesus says, peace be with you, he then sends them. He makes his disciples into apostles. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Apostle means sent one. So they weren't going to hang around in this locked upper room for the rest of their lives. They are now sent. Sent into the world for which Jesus died. Oh, yes, 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 yes. It's a dangerous world that is filled with terror and unbelief, hatred and war and violence. It is a world that crucified Jesus and wants the same for his disciples. But nonetheless, he sends them as he was sent by the Father. And so Jesus does not leave his church without breath. If the church is going to preach, if the church is going to proclaim, 
She's going to need breath. And so what does he do? He breathes on them. As he once breathed life into Adam, and as he once blew across the waters of the deep in creation, and the waters of the Red Sea, and the dead dry bones that Ezekiel saw, now he breathes on his disciples and says, Receive the Holy Spirit. Think of it as a little Pentecost. The big Pentecost would come 50 days later, but this was a little one, ordaining his disciples to be apostles with his spirited breath and with his word. It's Jesus is the one, he who gives them the authority to do what God alone can do. And what's that? Forgive sin. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now here we learn that pastors don't just speak about Jesus. They speak for Jesus sent by Jesus to speak his words. Uh, that's what Kuhlman or any faithful pastor, that's why Kuhlman or any faithful pastor audaciously and categorically by Christ's John 20 authority tells you categorically that all your sin is forgiven for Christ's sake in this time and in this place because he died for you on the cross. Jesus has sent me to tell you this and all your sin, this is the delightful thing about it, all your sin is forgiven now and always will be in Christ. So that on the last day, when Jesus comes to judge the living and the dead, the verdict on the last day will be what? Not guilty. All thanks to Jesus, who has the Good Friday wounds to prove it. Now, unfortunately, we're a lot like that group of disciples on that first Easter Sunday because we tend to hide behind our locked doors. We're fearful. Boy, are we fearful. We're uncertain, oftentimes unbelieving, confused, worried, anxiety-ridden. Good grief, the people that I visit with are just sick to death with anxiety. But we are the Lord's church, and I'm here to tell you that he will not abandon us. He makes every Sunday a little Easter, a first day of the week, the first day of a new creation. Everything that those disciples had in that locked room in Jerusalem, we have here and more. We have our Lord's peace and his wounds, his body and his blood. We have his spirit who breathes new life into us through the word of forgiveness. And we have that forgiveness put into our ears to hear and to believe. And that forgiveness that is given to you is then put on your tongues to speak to other people. Good Lord, forgive each other, will you? Especially in your marriages and in your homes. Oh, forgive each other, I beg you. Oh, and in case you missed it in the text, there's one more gift. It's a bonus blessing, an Easter beatitude from our Lord Jesus to all of you. Do you remember what it was when he said to Thomas? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. He has you in mind. You can't see Jesus, not now, but you can hear his word. You can't touch his wounds like Thomas did, but you can eat and drink his body and blood. Yeah, you don't see now, but you will on the last day. So in the meantime, you must believe. You must trust. You must take Jesus at his word. And there is no surer word than the word of Jesus. Blessed are you, believers. Blessed are you. 
The peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with all of you. Amen.